What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Keep It Posy podcast. My name is Jasmine, and this is episode 105. I hope you're having a great spring so far, taking care of yourself, and going to shows or festivals, and just enjoying all the good times to be had, the music and the food, and all that cool stuff. Before I talk about this month's nonprofit organization, and featured guest, I wanted to share that this will be the last episode of the Keep It Posy podcast for a while. At the beginning of the year, I mentioned that the plan was to release 10 episodes this year, but sometimes plans change. I hope the podcast will resume sometime in the next few months or sometime in 2024. To be honest, I don't know when things will pick up again. So if this is your first time listening, I hope you'll be able to give other episodes a listen. No matter how long you've been tuning into the podcast, thank you so much. When the podcast launched this month, three years ago, I really had no idea how far things would go and the experiences I would have along the way. So honestly, thank you so much. I didn't think it was going to be as hard to say this. So I'm kind of having a little bit of a hard time. Um, But like, honestly, thank you all so much. I don't care if you've only listened to an episode, five episodes, whatever it is. You know, maybe all you've done this time is go to the website. My point is. If you learned about a band or an artist from the podcast or from keepitposy.com, that's the whole point. So honestly, thank you. All this said, let's get to business. With the help of this month's guest, we are going to learn about this month's nonprofit organization featured in the Posy Spotlight. The Writers Guild Foundation is a nonprofit organization with a mission to preserve and promote the history and craft of writing for the screen. Established in 1966, the Writers Guild Foundation was founded by a group of prominent Writers Guild members to raise money so that writers from other countries and small organizations could attend the International Writers Guild Conference held in Los Angeles that year. The Writers Guild Foundation has served the screenwriting community through its prolific library and archives, educational events, and community building outreach programs. To learn more or make a donation to the Writers Guild Foundation, you can visit wgfoundation.org. This month's episode features my friend Kristen. Kristen and I met when we both worked at K-Rock. We met in early 2016 after I transitioned from the promotions department to the sales department. We clicked pretty fast after we learned that we liked a lot of the same bands. Kristen currently works at ByteDance, which is a parent company of TikTok. And in this conversation, we talked about how she ended up working at K-Rock lessons she has learned throughout her career, how family influenced her music taste, 311, grad school, and a whole lot more. This was a fun chat with a great friend. 
Here is my conversation with Kristen on the Keep It Posy podcast. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. So I'm thinking, uh, you know, one of the things, um, if it's people I've known, right, and I'm not speaking to for the first time, Mm-hmm. And so today I was thinking about how we met. Like, I don't know if we met prior to me joining you guys on the cell side. Um, Maybe we saw each other around, but to say like, oh, hey, you know, nice to meet you sort of thing. I want to say that was when I went to sales. Yeah, I feel like I had heard of you and knew of you because of Rob. Because I think you and Rob were friends before you came over, right? Yeah. And he was like my partner in crime at work. Like we did everything together. Um, and he spoke really highly of you. So when you moved over, I'm like, she's already my friend, just based on everything that you've told me about Jasmine. But I think that it was when you came over to sales that I like really got to know you. Which sales, like, how did we end up there? <laughs> yeah, dude. You and Rob worked a lot together. And I want to say that. Well, I guess we'll start there, okay? Because okay. right now, my understanding is that your day job, you work for TikTok, or is it ByteDance? I mean, I know that's like the whole umbrella together yeah. kind of thing, right? Okay. So ByteDance is the parent company um, based out of China, and TikTok is the main app that everybody knows of that we own. So that's one of the products that I work on, but I also work on um, SoundOn, which is like a our music distribution platform that, and it's called sound on in the U S called Rezo in Brazil, but, um, TikTok is mostly what I work on. So you've been at ByteDance for how long? Um, for God, like coming up on two years actually, which is it's in TikTok time. That's like a century basically. Um, so I'm like kind of one of the, the elders at this point, everybody, a lot of people that I work with are, you know, started in the last like six months. Um, but people, you know, catch up really quick. It's constantly changing. There's something new that we're working on or launching like any given week. So um, it's a really exciting place to work. It's chaotic too, but um, I mean, that's just the nature of like, you know, TikTok culture, I think. So you do this during the day, but prior to moving over to this part of the industry you were in radio for <laughs> forever <a bit. laughs> um for, so i guess yeah. i'll start there because um i mean ever since i've known you all the way till you're i mean basically i've known you work at two places right yeah radio which was cbs radio and then Enercom, mm-hmm. and then they changed their name to Odyssey. I think that's how it happened. Yeah. And then from there, you ended up at TikTok. What would you say is that led you to break into the industry? How how was that journey? Okay. So um, it was a very unconventional one that was probably never supposed to happen, but it did because the universe wanted me to work there or something. Um, but I, I've like, I've always 
been a music fan. I think that that's one of the the things that connects us as friends and a lot of people that we know. Um, and but I never really knew as a kid that that was something that I could do as a job. You know, like that was like a pie in the sky dream. Like that happens for a really small number of people. Like think realistic. Um, and so my mom was a nurse, so I was pretty much like raised to know that I was going to grow up and be a nurse one day. That was like, it was a good job, good money, um, good with people, all that stuff. So when I was in college, I selected this, the college that I went to because of their nursing program. And um, I was working on that, not really focusing on anything other than that. I was working at Starbucks at the time, um, which is, that was my first, like, I guess, corporate working for a corporation, um, that kind of job outside of like babysitting or, you know, being an office manager at a roofing company. Um, so I remember I came home from a 311 concert and I was, I had been drinking a lot and I, it was just like one of those shows that got into my veins and I had such a good time and I was singing my head off and just dancing and just like, I went home and I was like electrified, you know, that feeling. And so I remember sitting on the computer, uh, when everybody else was asleep and I was just looking up, like, what's the next show I can go to? And I was looking at K-Rock's concert calendar on their website or something. And so I'm just like, you know, messing around on the website. And I saw the link on the bottom that said, get a job. And I was like, what's this? And I think there were only probably two options, like promotions assistant and and um, programming assistant. I'm like, that sounds like something I would want to do. So I filled out this job application at two in the morning when I was drunk and I put all smart ass answers as to why they should hire me and how amazing I was and what I would bring to the the team. Not thinking that I would ever hear from anybody at K-Rock, you know, because like if you grew up in SoCal and you ever tried to win a contest and like tried to be caller 20 for any radio station, like you never get through. I never got through at least. Um, so I just didn't, I just did it because, you know, why not? It, it was like, I have absolutely nothing to lose. And I remember the next week I was in, I had this like organic general and biochemistry lab that was like the bane of my existence. It was the hardest class I ever took in college. And I'm in the in the lab with my lab partner and uh, against the rules, I like had my phone um, showing on like on the on our lab table. And I saw a number like a 310 number. I don't remember if it said K-Rock or not. I think it did, actually. And I, like my heart fell into my butt, like in my lab. I was like, why is K-Rock calling me? Is this real life? Like, am I dreaming right now? And I got a voicemail from Christine Fung, who, you know, said that they saw my resume or my application and wanted me to come in. And um, that was the longest like lab hour I've ever had in my entire life, like waiting for that class to end so I could go listen to that voicemail. And so I went in the next week or whatever, and I met with her, I remember meeting with her in the conference room, never, I have had never been more nervous about anything than that interview. And then she's like, okay, that was great. You're going to meet with um, Lisa Warden, the music director. And then that is the absolute most nervous I had ever been. I thought that that first interview was scary, but like knowing I was going to meet with her, um, I felt like I was going to like throw up. And I remember going into her office and talking to her and thinking she's just like, this unbelievably cool chick, like, oh my God, I want to work with her. I want to like, just know everything that's happening in her brain. And um, that weekend I was driving down to San Diego to see, I don't remember what festival it was, but it was like, <laughs> 
uh, fallout boy and all American rejects or like something like that. I, I don't remember, but it was all my friends were going with me. My dad was like driving us down because we were under 21. It was, it was a whole thing. And I mentioned that to her and she had a giant uh, fallout boy poster on the wall. And so I, I think as soon as I said that she was like, Hmm, maybe I should like consider hiring this chick. So they did. And, um, I was 19 when I got hired at K-Rock. So I was a baby and had never really like spent a lot of time in LA because I grew up in like, you know, suburbia and was going to school in Long Beach, which is like a completely different universe than Los Angeles sometimes. So yeah, I like, I pretty much grew up in radio and I was a phone op, I think for like four years, I was a phone op the whole rest of the time I was in college. I ended up changing my major uh, which really pissed my mom off because she thought that I had this whole life trajectory set. I was going to be a nurse. I was going to make good money. She's going to be proud of me. She was mad at me for a really long time. She was mad at me until I started making the equivalent of a nurse's salary in like communications. Um, so we're fine now, but that was rough, uh, at the beginning. So I was a journalism and sociology major after that. Um, and uh i'm sorry i like i'm bad at talking about myself so i'm like trying to find interesting <laughs> appropriate things to say that's oh, um, all good i like this well like being a programming assistant though that was so much fun the you know obviously working like right next to the studio with all of the the jocks and stuff they're like little you know celebrities and getting to know them and becoming friends with them was always cool. Oh, sorry. Should probably turn the sound off. And we would also get to work uh, at all of the shows like, you know, Weenie and Acoustic and Inland Invasion, which was then LA Invasion, which then completely went away altogether. But I would like drive my favorite bands around in the golf carts, like taking them from backstage to like the front of house or whatever. And I remember one time I helped, I think it was Kat with like backstage interviews in somebody's dressing room. And I just remember standing there thinking like, this isn't my life. Like, this is crazy that I'm, I, I get to do stuff like this and, you know, I'm getting paid for it. Um, like not a lot, but <laughs> you know, so then I graduated during the first recession of our lifetime and, um, that's a job that's only meant to be part-time. So and I had been applying like crazy, like putting out hundreds of applications. Um, and I remember having a conversation with Lisa. She's like, girl, you know, I love you, but like, got to get going. And I'm like, okay, like help me. And then I, somebody approached me uh, about a job in sales at The Wave, which, you know, is another radio station that CBS Radio had at the time. And it was more money than I was making as a phone op and it was full time and I would have benefits and I would still be like kind of, you know, doing something related to music, even though it was like the smooth jazz station. Um, so I interviewed for that, accepted it, hated it, never was meant to be a salesperson at all. Um, but I did it because it was, you know, a learning opportunity and they were paying me to do it. And then they brought in a guy to help with, at the time, I don't even think they called it experiential marketing. I think it was like integrated marketing, but basically helping beef up like the sponsorships at any of like our events and onsite opportunities, on-air promotions, things like that. So finding like brand partners that made sense 
to whatever the radio station was like you you know you don't want to put like um whirlpool on k-rock or something i don't know i can't think of anything less cool than no no offense to whirlpool i'm just like i'm looking for a refrigerator right now so i think that's why (laughs) that popped into my head like obviously Um, hot topic and k-rock are like perfect for each other you're not gonna match up hot topic with the wave yeah no right for sure. yeah and like warner brothers and like bud light and like you know anything that kind of like factors into that whole lifestyle of like entertainment and having fun and going out and having a good time you know um so i positioned myself i actually got a job in television and i went into the director of sales and told her i was leaving and she's like no like what can we do to get you to say that 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 is a a career lesson that i learned really young that i wish i could have maybe made a different choice on, but, um, what can we get, what can we do to get you to stay? And I told her what I wanted and that I wanted to work, um, with that guy and, and help kind of like, you know, work, focus more on the events. Um, and so they made a position for me and I got more money and did that. Um, and that was fun because it was being able to like work on site at our events in a different capacity, you know? And then I left because, they took me off K-Rock, honestly. So they split up because we had, I think, like nine stations at the time. So they split up that position. That guy left. They hired two other people or three other people to be like the directors of integrated marketing. And then they moved somebody else to handle K-Rock and AMP. And I got the Wave and K-Earth. I got an offer at a startup. Uh, it was like a mobile gaming app. And it was a lot more money. So I keep talking about money. I swear I'm not like financially motivated more than everybody's financially motivated. What am I talking about? Anyway. Okay. So I left and I worked at the startup for like a year. Um, We, which was like a completely different experience, nothing related to music whatsoever. Um, But it was nice to kind of go from like such a corporate setting to working in an office with like my four coworkers and that's when I got Marley. And I remember I brought her in when she was a puppy and she was like our little office mascot. Um, and they all loved her and I got to train her and, you know, spent like every waking hour with her. It was great. Uh, but then we ran out of funding and I was unemployed for a little bit. And then there was a, I think it was like an assistant position at KNX that somebody that still worked in radio told me about. And I was like kind of desperate. I was like, all right, I'll 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 take a look at it. And when I was looking at it, I saw that there was also another opportunity open. So I was like, well, F that. I'm just going to apply for the other one. And so I did. And I went in and I interviewed for it and I got that. And that was like one of the greatest things that could have happened um, for my life and for my career, because the people that I ended up working under are people that I'm like still friends with today. And um my my one friend or colleague rosemary she was like my svp at the time and she taught me so much just about you know being a woman in a very corporate setting and how to advocate for yourself and not to let men intimidate you because it's very very easy especially in radio i feel like it is still very much a boys club maybe music in general honestly um so you know that's something that i like carry with me to this day um and i'm grateful for but the the job that I got hired for, I was a project manager for a condom campaign that 
the like the biggest client that we had on that station was um is that when that bus came in that was parked on the Venice yeah, parking yeah. structure, parking lot? Okay. okay. Yep. This is all starting to come together for me now. <laughs> no pun intended. No, no, no. Like it had a, a giant virus on the side of it at one time. Yeah. Uh, so that's what they hired me to manage was to to run that campaign, um, which was more great experience, you know, kind of being the quarterback in terms of like developing all of the creative and like helping. I had um, people that would help coordinate like our event calendars so we're making sure that we're actually making an impact out in the community and like handing all these condoms out um but I remember telling my mom my mom my poor mother like who thought that her daughter was going to be this successful person in the medical industry I had like quit a job I'd quit a good job then I was you know like laid off from a startup and then when I told her I got a a new job she's like what are you going to be doing and I sent her a picture of me sitting at my desk on my first day because my boss at the time thought it would be funny to put like this gallon size container that had a pump on top. It was a gallon of lube that she left on my desk <laughs> with like a container of condoms right next to it. And I'm like, girl, what are we getting ourselves into here? <laughs> um, so, yeah, but it all worked out from there. Um the the position that I uh, wanted to work on events for K-Rock and for AMP and for Jack opened up. And so I went down to Mike Olson, you know, Mike Olson. Um, and I just told him, I'm like, you know that you're going to hire me for this, right? And he's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> and so I worked with him for a few years and that was another great partnership, another great person to learn from. He taught me a lot about honestly about keeping it posy, like about not letting things get under your skin, not taking yourself too seriously. Like at the end of the day, it's, it's a job, you know, like you have a life that exists outside of this. So just, you know, keep your head on straight and don't cry at work. Yeah. Um, I have, I don't think if that I have ever seen him not being posy, and I don't know if anyone that we've worked with has ever not seen him posy. Never. Because that dude is like the epitome of how to keep it posy, even when it's chaotic week and there's like three different events going on across the cluster this weekend. I'm just like, dude, how do you do it? No, if if you're going to work in events, you want to work with a guy like that because he doesn't let anything get to him. And I worked with him. I think I worked with him for like three or four years and I never saw that man get upset. And I can say that like without a shadow of a doubt, it's, it's remarkable and it's amazing. My dad was like that too, actually. I don't, if, don't know if it's like a mic thing or what, but you, you got to love people like that. I just like, I want to know what makes them tick. Like, how do you not get upset? Cause I feel like I'm constantly just like, you know trying to look like stay level-headed this is basically your journey throughout radio it's like one day i got home from a concert and then browsing krock.com and then it's like oh this caught my attention and then you ended up applying for a job um and of course there's a handful of bands that we both love but what was your introduction to music what was that moment or those moments that you recall? I, hmm, that's a good question. I feel like 
my dad always made sure that there was music around us. So I feel like it was firstly introduced to whatever he wanted to listen to. Um, He likes to tell people or he liked to tell people that my favorite or not my favorite, sorry, my first concert um, that I ever went to was Black Sabbath because him and my mom went when she was pregnant. (laughs) And I'm like, well, maybe that explains a lot about who I ended up becoming as an adult. Um, But like, I think I just, I, I was always around my older cousins. They were all boys. And so it was whatever they were listening to. I was listening to my one cousin was obsessed with the offspring. So then of course it was cool for me to be obsessed with the offspring. And he like would give me his tape when he was done with it. Um, I think the, the other like first band that I really fell in love with was no doubt. I think Tragic Kingdom was my first cassette tape that somebody gave me that I like, it was my first prize in life. I'm pretty sure I still have it somewhere at my mom's house. I don't think I would have thrown that away. Um, But I, I was shocking. I was very introverted as a child um, and tended to just kind of want to be by myself. So I spent a lot of time in my room listening to the radio. And I remember my dad got me like a, a recorder um or like a cassette recorder this one time so I would sit there and I would listen to music and I would record my favorite songs that were playing on the radio so I could listen to them whenever I wanted to um and then I would on my little like microphone I didn't know that they were breaks at the time but I would like you know just make up my own breaks about what I liked about the song or what I did that day like no things that nobody would ever care about but I just thought that it was cool that you know I was listening to people do that and I wanted to try it so I did that and Um, my mom bought me this little vanity and a bunch of makeup so I could like do the girly thing. And I remember I like moved all of that, that off there. So I could like have my little like DJ set up as a little, I don't know, like 10 year old or 11 year old or whatever. It was a little weirdo, but yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I remember when I was 10, my parents bought me a Walkman. I remember opening this present sitting on the stairs of this house that we lived in And I remember opening it and it was a CD player and like, just like losing my mind thinking it was at that point in my life, it was the greatest present anybody had ever gotten, gotten me. And I think the only CD I had at the time was like the, like the God, (laughs) like the Godzilla soundtrack from like the one with, I think it was Matthew Broderick. I don't remember who else was in it, but that's, I listened to that thing on repeat because it's, you know, what I had. Um, But I took that thing with me everywhere. I will like anytime I would probably places where you're not supposed to like have headphones in. I I'd like had to have it with me. Like my mom would fight me if we were going to like a family thing. She's like, you can't bring that. You have to like play with your cousins or talk to your family. And I'm like, do I have to, can I just sit with my music and like be happy? Um, which sounds like an unhealthy obsession now that I'm saying it out loud, but um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I and I listened to like K-Rock and Kiss FM and Power 106, like all three of like the mega, you know, kind of all over the place. Probably listened to Power when I was too young to listen to Power. Um, but, you know, it introduced me to like Snoop Dogg and, and like Jay-Z and, you know, artists like that, that I wouldn't have known otherwise because it's not like my parents were playing that, you know. <clears throat> and then... um when I was in high school, I, 
my like best friend in high school was really religious and I I spent like all of my time with her. So then I kind of became religious. I was raised Christian when I was a kid. So I always grew up around religion, but it wasn't really ever like forced upon me. Um, So I was like a good girl when I was in high school. I, you know, went to church a few times a week and um, got really into like Christian rock too, because that's what Christian rock and Christian rappers. That's what like all my friends were into. We would have this thing on Saturday nights, which was just to keep us, you know, like off the streets and out of trouble. Um, But it was like this arcade that our church built. And um, we had like a snack shop. We could play basketball. We could play foosball. We could just do whatever we wanted to. And then we would have like a quote service, but it was mostly just like the rappers coming in um, like local rappers and like SoCal that would come and and just kind of perform for us. And that was really cool. Like, I didn't know that church could be like that. So that, I think that's what kind of kept me going back and doing that um, until, you know, high school is over. And then I just, well, obviously got introduced into like the K-Rock world and that was way more fun. You're listening to all these, like the big stations and then you're, you're doing this stuff in high school you know, listening to these Christian artists and all that. And then like this first CD player, like I remember my first CD player too, my Walkman. Every time we would go somewhere, I would bring it with me and then so have like the, a, the CD booklet, right? Because, <laughs> you know, CDs were yeah. also still expensive back in those days, yeah. 15, 20 bucks, hoping that the, the whole thing was good or that you would like the whole thing and not just right. like the two hits or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, God, do you remember like burning mixes on like off of LimeWire and like getting viruses on your PC, like just wherever you could find access to the music that you wanted to put on a CD so you could listen to it at any moment of any day. And like you think about it now, like kids nowadays never have to worry about anything like that. Like they just anything they want at any moment, they have it. Basically, they're so lucky. I hope they realize it. They just go on YouTube or Spotify and see what's up. You mentioned how your dad liked to tell the story of how Black Sabbath was your yeah. first concert. But what was your first concert? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my actual first concert, um, I was in high school. You know, the funny thing, I have a younger brother. He's like, what do, what do they call it? Is it like the Irish twins when you're like less than two years apart. He, he's um not that much y- younger than me. So, but we grew, obviously grew up together. He's my brother, but we never got along. We hated each other. Just two different kids, you know? And then one day, I don't even remember how it came up, but we both realized that we both liked 311, like independently on our own. I'm like, oh, you might actually be kind of cool. And so they were on some, I don't remember the tour, um, but we were like, should we go? And we asked our dad if we could get tickets. So that was my first show. It was 311 and Jay-Z, who I was also obsessed with at the time. And I think Huba Stank and somebody else. I can't remember. But that was, oh, and it was at Irvine Meadows. Remember Irvine Meadows? Or they called it Verizon Wireless, or I think most recently before they tore it down to build a bunch of condos or whatever. I, that was like one of my favorite venues for a long time. I feel like I grew up at that venue and the Gibson, which is now Harry Potter land at Universal. And also, um, I guess, kind of the forum, too. 
but that was my first show. Um, and yeah, I, I like was obsessed with Nick Hexum. Probably I'm still like anybody who has ever been obsessed with him is still obsessed with him. He just is like a fine wine and he, you know, I hope he knows that. Um, actually somebody bought me a cameo for my birthday one year of him and it's lovely. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was my first show. My first festival was a K-Rock show. That's when I was really like, K-Rock is so cool. I can't believe that they, they make this stuff happen. And it was, uh, it was Inland Invasion and it was like right after I graduated high school again, 311 obsessed. Um, but it was like, Arcade Fire, Block Party, I think Weezer. Uh, oh, come on, Brain. I don't know. Is this was that whole indie rock thing was like, you know, mid-2000s? Yeah, this was like okay. 2005 or 2006. 2005, because I got hired in K-Rock in 2006. Um, yeah. I don't even... Yeah, I'm trying to remember how many 311 shows I've been to in my life, and I have no idea. Check, like, my bank statements. Maybe that that's one way to find out. Maybe don't check them, actually. <laughs> Maybe I don't want to know the number. I'll ask this, because it's pretty much a full circle thing with 311 and how you ended up working at K-Rock, right? Mm -hmm. um, for a number of us, especially those that grew up in, in Southern California and have had the opportunity to work at these places, these stations that have been around even longer than longer than us. we have been alive. Right. Yeah. <laughs> what would you say? Do you remember the first event that you worked where three eleven performed? Oh, I think it was an acoustic Christmas um at the gibson because i have a picture with nick hexam and peanut and i'm in a sandwich between the two of them and it's one of my favorite photos ever i don't remember what year that was i i, I miss that venue I, harry potter's cool i love harry potter but i miss that venue it, like having back-to-back -back nights at gibson that's the most magical concert memories i think that i have like i don't did you ever go there i don't remember i think that was after no i um my first acoustic um was at the forum at the shrine oh the when shrine. i when i started working okay. so i missed i i missed it though i got hired um after the the gibson was was put down i got it was <laughs> so put down got torn down yeah it went away they took yeah. it away however you want to phrase it no it's funny too because i had never gone to the gibson until like a month or two before they they oh. tore it down yeah um and so yeah my my first acoustic that i worked was already at the shrine okay yeah it was like it feels like a whole lifetime ago it's great at the forum too though i think like going back this year even though it was just the one night it was just like I personally feel like it's not Christmas until we are all at that show together, like experiencing that magic. It's just, I don't know. It's great. Yeah, dude, for sure. Um, 
especially after everything we've been through, right? The last three oh my years. God, absolutely. Yeah. I feel like because I had been, you know, in like at that company for so long, I have known so many of those people for years, you know, and there were a few that I hadn't, most of them I hadn't seen like throughout the pandemic and to just kind of see everybody face to face in a completely new world. And like, I feel like this is a whole new version, not version, but like chapter of my life personally. Um, it's just great. I don't know. And I love that music is the reason behind all of it, you know? I'm yeah, dude. I'm all mushy talking about music. Right now. That's the only thing I get like all emotional about. Oh, <laughs> dude, it's all good. That is what this platform is about. Um, <laughs> yeah, I like think about the person I was before the pandemic when I was still working there. And then I think about who I am today and like what has happened in my life since then. And I'm just like, so grateful to be this version of myself in my lifetime and not, you know, the one before that, like I, one of the hardest things I've ever done. And I'm sure like you can understand was like going to grad to grad school after not being in school for so long. I hadn't been in school for probably like 10 years. Um, and like the timing of like not working at K-Rock and, and Inter well, I guess it was Odyssey at the time. Um, it all kind of like worked out because I was let go during the pandemic because I, you know, primarily worked on events and I was like helping work um, on events that they were doing in the sound space that they opened up in the building. Um, and that was like, that was so much fun. And that was like a dream job. And I loved doing that. I think I only got to work on like a handful of shows. Um, but I kind of saw that, you know, coming to an end when obviously we're all like locked inside and there's no events happening anywhere. So I applied to grad school and I didn't tell anybody. Uh, I didn't even tell my mom. I just did it because it was something that I had thought about for like five or six years. And it had just, it never, it was one of those intrusive thoughts that would never leave me alone. And for some reason, I thought that I needed to prove to myself that I could do this. So I applied and I wrote my essay, all that. Um, and I found out, I think like the day after my birthday that I got accepted into USC. And I, that was another one of those moments where I'm like, is this real? Like, is this like real life really happening? Cause I applied to go there for undergrad and didn't get in and was really upset about it for a long time. Um, but it, you know, ended up working out. So, uh, I forgot why I started talking about that. Oh, just because it was hard. <laughs> it sucked. And then my first semester I wasn't working. So I was able to like focus on being a student again and kind of developing like habits to kind of stay positive and stay focused and to do the best work I could do because I got my MBA, which is not anything I had ever really gone to school for in terms of like having a business degree. Um, so it was all brand new material and it was like really challenging and there was a lot of math um, and math and I don't really get along that well. So it was definitely uh, a struggle. And I think that a lot of the like practices I've adopted to kind of stay positive and like stay on top of my mental health. I think I, I cultivated in that first semester because I was like scared out of my mind that I wasn't going to be able to do this, you know? Um, and then I did it and then I graduated and somehow that was like already a year ago now. And I like just time. I don't understand it as a concept. It doesn't make sense to me most of the time. 
What's your favorite thing about music? How it makes me feel. Like one of my favorite things to do is I don't like to go out on Thursday nights because I like to be home. I I moved into my own place uh, like almost a year ago and I've never lived alone before and I love it. I never want to live with another human being. Um, dogs, yes. Humans, probably not. But I have like created a little cave, right? And so I, I have like an awesome sound system that I bought for myself. And on Thursday nights at nine or whenever, like all of the new, new music is released, I love just like sitting and putting all like my vibey lights on and just listening to like what's out there, like what's new, like what is something that I've never heard before that's going to make me feel something like I just, I don't know. It's the, all of it. The lyrics I in another life would love to be a songwriter because I feel like I've always loved writing. Um, so to be able to put the most vulnerable and honest thoughts and feelings that you have onto paper and then to put them to music and have other people feel things because of that, like that's, that's magic. Like that's the best way to connect with another human. I think that's why I love it. I can't, I like, I don't know how to go on walks without music. I don't know how to drive without music. I don't know how to work without it. You know, I feel like um, it's an okay thing to be obsessed with. It's not hurting anybody, maybe my neighbors, but we don't know them. So it's okay. Dude, heck yeah, man. Um, that's a good way to look at it. If you're not going now, maybe listen to the new bangers that have been released. But there's um, like nothing that can replace like what you feel when you're at a live show too, you know? And and to like look around at p- people that you know and people that you don't know and to just see like th- that look on people's faces and you're like, I'm feeling that too. Like that's, I don't know. I don't even have a word for it. I've said magic way too many times, so I'm not going to say that again, but that's like special. That was one of the hardest things of the pandemic was not having that for so long, you know, and not knowing when we would have it again. I'm trying to remember what my first show was after. Ooh. Trauma really like decimates your uh, memory, <laughs> which is a good and a bad thing, but I'm going to think about that. Maybe I'll think about it or I'll, I'll come up with it before we're done, but I can't remember. What was your f- first show after the pandemic? My first show was at the Palladium August. I want to say it was August 20th. Maybe I'm wrong. Anyway, of 2021. I'll look it up later. Anyway, it was Joyce Manor. At the oh. Palladium, they headlined, um, they played their self-titled in its entirety, and which is like 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, it was them with Tiger's Jaw, Turnover, and uh, this band called Merry Christmas. Um, I love that name. And, and it's funny, too, be- <laughs> because... Um, I mean, I wasn't the only one, right? Like a lot of a lot of people were, but I was like, dude, I'm so excited after 17 months and I'm also scared as hell. Because, <laughs> you know, everyone was like, oh my God, yeah, I got the jab, but you know what I mean? Um <laughs> but dude, it was yeah. um geez, like 
what a what a what a night to come back to live music mm-hmm. and to see the 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 bands that you love and then run into your friends yeah um, that that you knew would be there and then i mean okay because joyce manor i mean you saw them um i think at- that's the last time i saw you in person right yeah dude and um Oh yeah, the Long Beach Arena. I forgot yeah, about that. I didn't even know you were going. I'm, I was. I remember I was standing there. I was like, "Is that is that Jasmine?" And then I like creeped up on you like a weirdo, and I'm like, "This better be Jasmine, otherwise this girl is gonna like punch me in the face right now." So I'm glad it was you. Nah, dude. And like Joyce Manor was one of those. Uh, they've been one of those bands for a minute now that I I know there's gonna be so many friends there because they're just one of those bands. Mm-hmm. And that first show back, I was like. There, there were friends there that I didn't see that night. Like that's how many? Because that was, and I think for uh, from what I can recall, the ones that I ran into, that was their first show back too. Oh, that's cool. A handful of us were like a lot of people were still being careful about it. Yeah, um, you know, as far as people and crowds and all that. Um, but good times, man. <laughs> What's the best advice that's been given to you throughout your career? Hmm. I mean, this hasn't personally been given to me, but it's something that I've heard that uh, I tell people to do because I've done it. Um, And it's going to sound rude and it's fine. I'm fine with being rude, but (laughs) there's like this meme or this saying that says you should walk into any room with the confidence of a mediocre white man. And I think that that is actually really, really, really good advice. And I've seen it. No offense to, well, I mean, I guess that is offensive to men, but like, you know, it's true. Like if you think about not to get too like heady, um, our society has catered to, you know, Caucasian men and especially in like corporate settings for a very long time. Um, so as a woman, I'm sure as a woman of color, um, it's really hard for people to find, I mean, it's becoming less of an issue, I think with like DEI initiatives and people just kind of, um, being more like aware of, you know, the fact that we're all different and we're all in, we're all capable and we're all talented and we all have voices and we should all be heard. Um, but I think knowing that any table that you sit at, you have every right to be there as anybody else. Um, even these people who like from the outside look like they should be running things. No, don't believe that. Like, just believe that wherever you are, you've, you've earned your right to be there and to advocate for yourself and to speak up for yourself because nobody else is going to do it for you. I think a lot of like the moves that I've made in my own career, it's because I've literally gone in and told somebody that they're going to hire me for something, which is kind of like aggressive, but it's worked out for me. And I obviously do it in a very nice way because again, you have to be pleasant. Um, But yeah, you just, you have to speak up for yourself. Nobody's going to do it for you. Nobody's going to just come and save you. You know, if you want something, you go after it and you believe that it's yours before it's yours. And then if it's meant for you, it'll work out. How do you keep it posy? 
I know what things I need to do for myself to feel like the best version of myself. And I try to honor those as often as I can. Um, So whether that's making sure I'm like, and this is all very, very basic stuff, but honestly, it works for me. Um, Making sure I'm like sleeping regular hours, um, like regular walks. I moved not that far from the beach. So like walking to the beach, I think has been one of the best things for my mental health and also for Mars, because I didn't even realize she was a beach baby until we moved here and I take her off the leash and she just gets like zoomies and seeing her smile makes me smile. So I feel like that's good for my mental health. Um, But, you know, like the usual things, like knowing when to say no to people and to things that I don't really want to do, not guilting myself for, for not people pleasing. I feel like I've been a people pleaser my whole life. So choosing to not do that is uncomfortable at times. Um, I think therapy is really important. I think everybody should be in therapy. And usually the people that think they don't need therapy are the ones that absolutely need to be in therapy. That's just been my experience. Um, and I don't know, I like the older I get, the more important I realize it is to like take care of my body. You know, like I notice a difference in my mental health. If like, I feel well, um, if I'm like working out and eating and eating right, um, you know, I, I think that making sure that you have an environment around yourself where you can just be yourself um, is, is one of like the most important parts of, of keeping it posy. I think that there's like another saying where it's um, ugh, like, the worst thing that you can do is have a home that feels like a jail. You know, I feel like when I was a kid, I kind of felt like that. And in like uh, my last relationship, I felt like that. And so I think just being able to like free myself and be alone and really get to know myself and um, the things that like make me tick and the things that I hate and distancing myself from those, I think just helps me wake up every day and just kind of like be grateful that the day is mine. And like this might be dark, but I also think having like, sorry, um, like traumatic experiences obviously suck while you're going through it. But the last five, six years of my life, I've had a lot of um, like hard things happen, like losing my dad and almost losing my mom last year and just some other stuff. Um I think it it's devastating when you're going through things like that, but it also forces you. I mean, it shifts your perspective entirely. Like your life is never the same after you lose a parent. Um, And it makes you just kind of look at life in a completely new light. So I obviously nobody likes suffering, but the good thing that comes out of it is that it allows you to have a more like holistic perspective on just your place on this planet, you know, and, and how you kind of want to approach every day. Like I, I think losing my dad really taught me to remember the things about him that I really admired and how he approached his life. And like, my dad was just, he was like a, a roofer, local guy, like, you know, like owned his own company, um, was a baseball coach, you know, helped out at my brother's high school, et cetera, whatever. But his like the amount of people that showed up to his funeral, like there weren't enough seats in the church because that's how many people he touched. And that's how important he was to all of these people that 
either knew him a long time or barely knew him and wanted to pay their respects, you know? So, and just kind of realizing that it was because how he approached life, like he was nice to everybody. Just when you encounter strangers on the street and even giving somebody a smile, like I know it sounds kind of creepy, but it's, it's good for them. I mean, unless they're like an a-hole and they think you're a creep. Um, but it's good for you too. Like if you're able to connect with somebody on like a very basic way like that, it's, it helps you feel it helps your mental health. I I don't know. I read some study that said that. So I choose to believe it. Um, but I don't know, like educating yourself on, on how to be mindful, like journaling. I'm just rambling now. I honestly, Jazza, like it's been a really hard year. <laughs> so I've, I spent a lot of time, um, in therapy trying to figure out like just how to function as my best self. And they're, they're like boxes I check off every day. And when I do it, I can go to bed at night and feel good. And if I don't do them, I go to bed and I feel sad. So it's like, you have to figure out what that formula is for yourself and really honor whatever those practices are. And I think that that is what will help you stay posy, at least for me. Is that a long-winded answer or what? Dude, no, um, you know, I, I can't say that I can relate 100% with what um, you've said right now, but I can understand too when um, doing the stuff that's going to make you feel good, right? Because, hey, like literally physically, if you feel physically good, all right, mentally, you're good. Like there's this whole talk about the saying that we've heard for so long you are what you eat. You know, <laughs> that's like, <so> true, bro. <laughs> you know, there's certain foods like what I know, wake up. I got to drink my green tea. I -hmm. cannot proceed to go to coffee. There you go. I cannot (laughs) proceed to coffee and skip that the tea because then I'm like, bro, my anxiety goes off the charts. Any last words for the people of the internet? Um, no, I mean, it was lovely speaking to you. I forgot that people on the internet are going to listen to this, so. <laughs> it's okay. So that was my conversation with Kristen. It was awesome learning about her career and speaking with her as a friend, but also as someone I've worked with. Thank you again to Kristen for being on the podcast. If you haven't yet, please check out the Keep It Posy podcast playlist. You can find it on Spotify and Tidal. Thank you again to everyone for listening to another episode of the Keep It Posy podcast. And thank you for hanging out with me and all the guests that have been on the podcast. It really means a lot and I hope I'm able to resume this podcast again soon in the near future. But whenever that happens, again, thank you for listening. Please take care of yourself and watch out for each other. Stay posy always and remember, life is like a mosh pit. If you see someone fall, you gotta help that person get back up.